guys. Welcome to episode 37 of the Atlas podcast. My name is Emma Loggins, editor-in-chief at Fanbolt.com. My name is Jakai Mickelson. I'm a legless ninja and independent filmmaker. <laughs> Every week you get promoted. I love it. I don't, I don't think that's a very good one. I, <laughs> I feel like I got to do better next time. Well, there's always next week. There is. There's always <laughs> next week. What, what, what episode number is this now? 37. 37. Man. Yep. Every week I have to double check on that because I'm like, really? <laughs> you know, I realize we're almost to the year anniversary of me reaching out to you about even doing this thing. Isn't that super fun? It is. It yeah. is. I feel like maybe we should we should have like a like a year anniversary episode in which we play back some of the most awkward moments <laughs> in those very first few episodes. <laughs> yeah, it would be all of episode one and two, I think. <laughs> I think that would get it done. Yep. Yeah, definitely all of episode one, for sure. <laughs> Which I don't think we ever put online. So. Oh, that's true. Actually, there is a there is a mystery recorded episode that uh, I actually have in a folder called "Never Went" or "Would Never Published." So <laughs> yeah, I don't. I'd be afraid to listen to it. Maybe we should just like blindly put it up. Maybe I don't know. Yeah. That kind of scares yeah. me too. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we should just not and pretend we did. <laughs> There's also that. There's also that. Also a good solution. <laughs> um, well, we have a really cool show today because I saw Rogue One yesterday and the embargo was up today at noon, so I get to say whatever I want to about it, which is exciting. Oh, goodness. Um, no spoilers, though, so don't, don't worry about that. Um, so we do have that, and then we have an interview with PJ Harsim. Harsima? Hars- I, the showrunner of Con Man um, is... Uh, which is interesting because they not only sent me cupcakes that were absolutely delicious last week, but Alan Tudyk, who is a star in that with Nathan Fillion, of course, is also in Rogue One. So it's kind of it's kind of a whole episode promoting Alan Tudyk, if you really well, think about it. Well, I mean, that guy is uh, again. I've admitted he's in my man crush region, and he, how fun he gets to play in like two major like science fiction worlds. I didn't even know he was in uh, this new movie. Star yeah, Wars he, magic, so that's super cool. He's fantastic in it. In fact, if I had to pick a uh, a favorite character, it would be him. Um, of course, he plays the droid K two S O in in Rogue One, and is uh, just a great source of comedic relief. Uh, so many quick witted responses, and I just I loved it. He was great. Um, but anyway, so we're going to talk about all of that fun stuff. Uh, of course, box office results, and then uh, we have some some. Some fun small talk stuff, too. I had a, a couple of cool events uh, in the last week. I went to a one-year anniversary party at Eight Sushi Lounge, which is a really, really tasty sushi, ah, sushi restaurant here in Atlanta. Um, <laughs> and that was a lot of fun. If you haven't checked it out, it's over on the west side. And I, I feel like we've kind of not had great sushi restaurants in Atlanta over the last few years. And this one is huh. definitely one of the best that I've had just in general. So I definitely recommend it. It's nice that we, my favorite one was, uh, I want to say it was called Amour or Amur. It was up in Buckhead and then it was gone. And then I, I had no place to go. Well, and, as, a, uh, as a Castleberry Hill homer, I got to give a shout out to uh, Bottle Rocket. I feel like I they got pretty good sushi. Yeah, I've not been there yet. I keep hearing about that one. I need to make it over there, but I, it's like burgers too, right? It's like sushi and burgers. Well, they have, it's kind of sushi and one burger. 
Okay. Kind of. Yeah. But it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, we, we used to go there a lot when we lived in the neighborhood and honestly, coming from LA and stuff, it was good sushi. I mean, I'm not a sushi. I'm no Ming Chen, right? I don't know my way around sushi like a boss, but as far as sushi I've had, it was right there with it. Thought it was good. I'd never had the sushi there. It was like, oh, I may have well just gotten it from, you know, the fridge at the local grocery store. It was just good stuff. Hey, I, I do that all the time yesterday. That was my lunch, whole food sushi yesterday. So nice. <laughs> can't hate on that. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's good when you need, when you need a quick sushi fix. Um, But so that was pretty cool. And then I also um, one of my clients is Atlanta Metro Studios, and I've been working on getting their website up for them. We're in the home stretch, still uh, trying to get a few more photos together to get that up and live. But it was really cool because I got to go down there and they had two productions that were currently um, filming uh, Jumanji, which they have a huge outdoor uh, uh, set for. It's really impressive to see it because, like, you, you you're driving into the studio and it's just this huge wall that's like green screened, and you're seeing the back of it. Um, but it's pretty impressive. And if you follow uh, uh, Dwayne Johnson and uh, Jack Black and Karen Gillan on a uh, on Instagram, you've probably seen some of the the the, the posts that they've made from set, which is. It's just really impressive. And I think they're wrapping. They either wrapped or they're about to wrap on that. And they just did some some of the outdoor shots here. I don't think they did anything um, in any of the indoor sound stages. But um, in the indoor sound stages, uh, 24 is still filming. So that oh, wow. was pretty cool. To It was like a full it was a full lot. So it was pretty cool to, to see that much action going on. And it's it was like a little L.A. I loved it. That's cool. Yeah, so uh, there was that, and then last night I got together um, with a girlfriend of mine, and we had our Gilmore Girls coffee date to basically go through and overanalyze, and for lack of a better word, (laughs) bitch about how Gilmore Girls ended. (laughs) So uh, that was fun, too. Still hoping that we're going to hear something in the near future from Netflix about there possibly being more episodes um, or another kind of mini season or series or however they want to label it. But uh, no news yet, but we will keep you guys posted if that does indeed happen. Nice. That's, uh, that's all, it's, a lot of, it's a lot of good, exciting stuff. It is. It is. Uh, have you been up to anything Anything cool in the last week? Uh, well, there is kind of an exciting thing that happened. I mean, it, we had a knock on our door the other day. It's, it's, we, we recently moved into this house. It's, it's an old house, and it was empty for a long time, and we've been renovating it. And there was a knock on the door, and we didn't know who it was. I opened it, and it turned out to be a guy who grew up in this house. His family owned this house for 30 years. And oh, wow. it was so awesome to kind of walk him through and he was just wigging out and like, oh my gosh, this was my mom's room and that used to, this this is where my sister was and like he had all these wonderful stories about this house. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, I think it's going to be the next film I work on. His story versus, about this house and we've got all this great footage and I've got a lot of footage of the house when it was at its worst, you know, before, before the renovation started. So, uh, as far as exciting things, I think that's going to be the next actual, you know, I call myself an independent filmmaker. So I think this is going to be the second flick. I, uh, I can't, it's going to be another documentary, I guess. But I think uh, there's some fascinating stories to tell about the history of this house and how this neighborhood is changing and uh, what's happening with the Beltline and everything and the, the yeah. ugly word gentrification. So, yeah, that, that's kind of the exciting thing that happened. The guy is like the nicest guy. His name is Ricky. And he sent me all these photos of people like having Thanksgiving and, and like and we're comparing the photos of where they are in our house. It's like it's like really weird when you're living in the house. It's, uh, oh, look, here's our house in a completely different time. 
That's so it was, really cool. It was a lot of fun. It was it was a super fun surprise, and it came out of nowhere. Just this guy knocking on the door, and then we've exchanged a ton of emails. He's a great guy. So it's uh, we I, I joke with him. We would have been roommates if not for the time space continuum. So <laughs> so there well, you go. I, I have to ask, just in my general like paranoia state, how did you know that he was like legit enough to like let him inside and like tour him around your home? Uh, well, I'll tell you a true story. When uh, there's I I was. Born in Salt Lake City, Utah, and the house that my parents owned when I was a little kid, there's been a number of times when I've been back in the city where I've thought about, like, stopping and asking the people that live there if I could look around, and I always chickened out because, like, what are they going to think? Like, who the heck am I? It could be anybody. Right. So, so weirdly, the fact that he did it already gave me, like, a little bit of a, oh, man, but, but the fact that he knew so much about this house and knew the specifics of, of like, for example, we've got a uh, gigantic um uh, what's it called? They, before they were heaters, a gigantic uh, brain furnace. We have a gi- <laughs> <laughs> we have a gigantic furnace downstairs. The thing is seriously the size of a small school bus, and he knew exactly all about that. He just knew things that you wouldn't know. Gotcha. You know, and then, uh, and yeah, but it was really cool to like walk through the house because he saw how things have changed. Like we took down a wall and there's an extension on the back of the back bedroom. So just watching him experience it, because this house was in super bad shape before we before we kicked off the renovation. So he right. was worried that the city was going to tear it down because it was such a dump. So um, it was, I don't know, it was just like a super rewarding thing. And it also made me just absolutely commit to the fact that if if I find myself in Salt Lake City again, I'm going to knock on the house uh, where I once lived when I was a four-year-old boy. So see, I'll see what happens. But yeah, I, you know, there's, I, I, and this sounds so cheesy, but he just seemed like a really trustworthy guy. No, that's awesome. It's uh, it definitely something, you know, my parents are selling the house that I grew up in now, spent, you know, all, that's home to me. That's always been home. And of course, they're, yeah. they're in their new house now, but um, and they're still still waiting to sell it. They're, they made a lot of design decisions in that house that I kind of I kind of wonder how long it's going to take to sell. <laughs> but um, I, I I do want to see what it looks like when someone else comes in there because it it's very like like a lot of the older houses. It's just really it's not open concept at all. Like there's just a ton of rooms. Right. And I feel like whoever comes in there is going to want to open it up and you know do more of an open concept. And I would love to see what that looked like. Uh, so that's that's something I think about frequently too. Well, it's it's to go back and see. Yeah, it's always cool to see the same space in somebody else's design aesthetic because in San Diego, where they got track homes everywhere, that's just kind of the way it works, especially in some of the the newer areas. And my friend lives in a house that looks a certain way, and he's got a neighbor with the same exact floor plan, but it's a completely different. You know, it's like a completely different feel to go yeah. into somebody else's version of that first house. So exactly. it's uh, but it was it was really fun to walk through through the house with him while he was like and all these memories were coming back and he's just laughing about like, oh, that's where my brother did this. There's there's like these little mesh uh, uh, metal grids over our two posts that hold up the porch out front. And it's like mm-hmm. I can't, he's like, I can't believe those are still there. My dad put those up because squirrels kept living in there. So before they were just like these random pieces of metal uh, on top of the posts. But now they have this like. Really cool story, you know. It was um, yeah. It was uh, again. It was a it was a super fun surprise. And we're gonna film. He's got two siblings that were also in this house, and I told them to stay away because I want to film them 
seeing the house when they see it and he's totally down for it i was like we it's like weird how do you tell somebody hey man nice to meet you also how would you feel about me uh filming you <laughs> <laughs> so but yeah super exciting i think that's cool though um my dad has made my my dad and my uncle have both made documentaries out of um my my grandmother's life they they kind of came together and documented everything when she was still alive. And, and then my uncle also made one of, of my dad's life. And it's just so cool to be able to have that history, yeah. um, to be able to hand down. And I think even having it about like the house and, and having that for your little one, you know, when he grows up and him being able to look back and, and know the history of the home that he grew up in, that's so cool. No, that is really cool. That, that is actually, I didn't even think about that angle because I'm still not used to having a kid. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> You'll get used to it. Yeah, eventually, <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. Well, um, I don't know how to transition into our next segment, so I'm just going to go straight into it. Just do it. <laughs> just drop the our, hammer. Let's see if I get his name right this time. PJ Harshma. Harshma. Uh, the show director for Con Man. And if you don't know about Con Man, it is on Comic-Con TV, which of course is a uh, streaming site. They have a number of different shows on there that are all kind of in the nerdy space, um, including Kings of Con, which we did an interview um, a couple of weeks ago with, with those guys. And Con Man is a very similar show in concept to Kings of Con. Um, but you can never have too many shows about con life and conventions <laughs> and all of that. And what's really cool about Con Man, too, you know, we had the interview with Alan Tudyk um, at Dragon Con. On, we had that that we played on the show. And we talked a little bit about the game, which had just launched at that time. And what I found really cool uh, in this interview with PJ is he's talking about, you know, not only is he, like, the showrunner for this and the executive producer on this project, but, like, he's also getting, like, bug reports on the app when it's not, like, working right. And so, like, wow. he's, like, heavily involved in the game as well, which I found really interesting because I thought it would be two completely different, you know, components. Yeah. Um, so it was kind of interesting to hear uh, really everything that he did um, as a part of this project. And also the story of how him and Nathan Fillion first met and how they, you know, bonded over playing Halo and just... It's such a cool story. So um, we'll we'll dive into that interview now with PJ, the uh, showrunner for Con Man. PJ, whose last name is what, Emma? What was his last name? Harjma. Oh, perfect. Har- Harjma. <laughs> All right, you there? I'm there. Perfect. I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> I'm not there. I'm here. Gotcha. You're in L.A. right now, right? I am. I am in downtown Los Angeles. Cool, cool. Is that where you live? No, that's where the office is, the Conman Production Office is downtown. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, well, I will jump into questions for you. I've got a, a bunch of things to ask you about kind of your background and then also a bunch of stuff with the show and everything you guys are doing. Cool. Um, for someone that hasn't seen the series before, how would you describe it and how is that going to continue to evolve with you guys going into your second season? You know, first of all, with Conman, Conman's hilarious. That's the part that I just can't stop talking about. There's so much comedy on television, and to me, it's just not funny. Conman is hilarious. Uh, a lot of people look at Conman as, uh, or they label Conman as, oh, it's one of those, not one of those, but it's a, it's a, it's a comedic look at the, uh, the go beyond, go behind the curtain at the at Comic Con conventions, but it's really more than that. The Ray Nearly is this 
character that just doesn't appreciate what he's got right in front of him. And he keeps screwing up trying to get something better. And it, 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 it was always a grass is greener on the other side story for me. I mean, Ray nearly mm-hmm. doesn't have to be a, an actor or a sci-fi actor. It could be a, an accountant that always wanted to be a writer or a writer that always wanted to be an accountant and just doesn't realize that what he has is, is great. And Ray nearly suffers with that in that he thinks that he needs to be a, what he considers a legitimate actor. And, uh, but he's stuck in what Joss Whedon coined as, as uh, Comic-Con hell, where he's going around <laughs> and he's, 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 he's always being offered sci-fi roles and, and he makes his living signing at these cons and he ignores the adoration of the fan base. And, and I think we can all appreciate the, the fan base in this world, how just absolutely amazing it is. And, uh, you know, through their experiences at cons, the boys sometimes saw those that didn't really appreciate it. And uh, there's a lot of comedy there. And it's really funny. And in season two, we continue with that. Uh, we get a little more into the into the life of Jack Moore and and a, a peek behind his curtain. How it's not all roses like Ray thinks it is, and that he has his own struggles getting what he wants, even inside what Ray thinks is legitimate acting. So uh, some of the comedy moves over to Nathan Fillion's character Jack Moore. Uh, but my God, it's funny. God, it's funny. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, you guys had so many guest stars in uh, season one, too. Is that anything that you can kind of tease as far as who we might see in season two? Well, I sat down in a meeting all day yesterday with Lionsgate, and they're saying, you know, don't don't talk about that now. Let us save that for the all the press that's coming out. But uh, all I can say is, you know, we went back to the well, and we got a, a plethora of people from this world um, we've talked about Lou Ferrigno. He's definitely got a, a great role. And then all the usuals are back. But you're going to see lots of new faces from some of your favorite shows. So uh, that's always the fun part. And, and this, this time we've got a little, um, like sometimes you've got to get a little, like, who's that? I know that. Who's that? Like it's, <laughs> that we've, we've, really, uh, we've really got some fun ones in there. And like, oh, my God. And then we have i'm i'm trying to skirt around it without saying who they are anymore we've got a couple big ones so uh yeah i've i've been i've been sworn to secrecy, secrecy for another few weeks <laughs> home stretch home stretch yeah yeah um, i know that you guys are um you have the second season coming up but can you talk a little bit about how you got involved in this project initially and if you knew uh Nathan and Alan before coming into the project yeah Nathan and i met my god Around 2001, 2000, oh, wow. I think. We were, uh, the story that we love to tell, my wife, Marisa, loves to tell it too, is that we were at a bar and we had become friends simply because of the fact we're Canadian. So you automatically have to be friends because you're Canadian. <laughs> and Nathan said to Marisa, goes, what have you guys been doing all Christmas holiday? And uh, Marisa goes, oh, I'm a little embarrassed. We spent the entire Christmas break playing Halo. And Nathan looked at her, looked at her and said, you had me at Halo. <laughs> and then we we started playing Halo Sunday nights. We'd come over for dinner, and then we'd play. That was the day we had to hook the Xboxes together back with Halo One, and mm-hmm. uh, we'd play Sunday night till Monday morning sunrise. And we played two years, and nobody missed a day. Like we would move schedules around, acting schedules around, to make sure that uh, that we could play on Sunday night. And then 
it was always three against two, and Nathan was always trying to find a third. And then when Firefly started, he asked Alan, he goes, do you play Halo? And uh, Alan said, no. Nathan was like, let me teach you. So then <laughs> Alan came over, and that was it. And we just, we've been friends ever since. So, you know, they were there when my books came out, the software books. I was there for all their movies and shows. And, you know, we just kind of eventually found a project that, it just worked for us to be together, and uh, I had gone back into advertising and was uh, producing commercials, and Alan had first asked me if he could use the world of the software, the, the four books that I have uh, with Random House, and uh, and use those as a background because we couldn't use Firefly. And I said, absolutely, sure, you know, use that world. And then he came back to me and goes, well, can you can you help me produce this? And I said, sure. And so I I, I went over back came back into the business and helped them with this. And we took it to the traditional routes first, the traditional studios and production companies, but they really weren't getting it. They weren't getting the culture, and they especially weren't getting Alan's genius on it. I mean, he it truly is a genius, what he knows in comedy and, and how he executes and what he sees. And, and uh, I was sitting in those meetings, and honestly, they were a little out of my wheelhouse back then, and I'm watching these people, you know, kind of blow smoke up his ass and and set it up for a, if they have a project down the road. And it was very disappointing for him. And there was one point when we were going to go sign this deal that wouldn't have been a good deal. And I said to him, why don't we crowdfund this? You know, we know the fan base. You guys have a great fan base. I'm sure they would make this for you. And uh, it was a moment of weakness because he had refused to go to crowdfunding earlier and he looked at me and said, you can do that? And I go, yep. And we turned the car around, canceled the meeting, and a month later, we had raised $3.2 million and Con Man was born. That's amazing. Um, well, I definitely want to talk to you about the crowdfunding aspect, but I have to say that I'm a huge Halo fangirl myself. Yeah, so yeah. I love that so much. Damnation is like my favorite level of any game ever. Yeah, it's <laughs> such a good game. And then the Halo found out what we were doing, and that's how Nathan got hooked into Halo and started doing the voices and, you know, has really turned that into something huge. And uh, it all started from us, you know, at a club one night going, we should play Halo together. <laughs> I love it. Do you guys still play at all? Do you play Halo 5 now? You know, I play. I play with my daughters now. Um, the, the thing is, is that we played in a way that it was a social event. So they would come over for dinner. It was Corey, Nathan, and Alan, and my friend Patty and Marisa. And we'd have dinner, and we'd shoot the shit, and then we'd play, and we'd have a drink, and then we'd play. And because we were back-to-back in the same room, it was it was a very big social event. With Xbox Live and you're in the other rooms, I mean, we still do it, but it just I miss those. Uh, I miss that social element of playing Halo together. I completely agree. Doing the LAN parties, and I, that was just the best way. It was. It was, you know, hear each other yelling. Oh, my God, it was so much fun. It was so much fun. <laughs> um, well, talking about the crowdfunding aspect, um, you guys broke so many records with that, and it was it was so impressive. And, you know, we're starting to see more projects find success that way. Um, your project, even the Veronica Mars movie, was a, a huge success. Um, but for the little guys out there, uh, that have a vision and want to use a platform like Indiegogo or Kickstarter, what would your advice be to them to, to gain traction for something like that? It's a lot of my experience working with brands and their discussions and desires to attract a community. 
you really have to look at the community that's going to help you fund this and make sure that you're listening to them and make sure that you are crafting your message and your videos and every little thing you put out. Make sure you are touching on those emotional points that that audience wants. Right. Um, a lot of times they make it and they think, well, just because it's a great story idea doesn't mean that it's going to get made. Um, uh, and just because you put it out there doesn't mean you're going to build a community. I would make sure that you can target who your community is, have been talking to them way before you started your crowdfunding, and then mm-hmm. make sure that you're listening for those what those emotional touch points for that audience is and then craft your message so that they believe they're being heard. Um, it's being manipulated very poorly right now in the election, you know, and and uh, and Trump does that very same thing where he he listens to that crowd of of supporters and he echoes their thoughts as in in correct or whatever side of the fence you're on, however you want to do it. And here is this crowd culture that is amplifying his message because he's speaking to their emotional touch points. So. Uh, it's 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 something you really have to look at before you take all that time. People don't realize how much time and effort goes into a crowdfunding campaign. And if you don't have that, if you don't know your audience, you're going to be one of those 67% that never get fulfilled. Right, right. You can't just build it and expect people to come. You've got to have that foundation there. Yeah, and you really have to know those people that are going to help you you really have to know what makes them tick and what they're saying. And uh, and it's, for us, it's been such a positive experience. I mean, we have the same fans coming back on season two and helping us and, and showing up and waiting on set all day long for two seconds. And, and they know the process and we share it. We're very transparent and, and, uh, and uh, we love our fans and I, I hope they love us. Awesome, awesome. Well, I also want to talk to you about um, some of the aspects of being a showrunner. Um, that position requires so much from you, and I don't think it's something that a lot of fans um, and viewers really fully understand what all um, goes into that role. Can you talk a little bit about um, everything that that kind of entails? Um, a lot, a hell of a lot. <laughs> um, I'm a co-showrunner with Alan, and uh, and our skill sets are uniquely divided, which makes together makes us one great showrunner. Um, so Alan is is very creative and really knows his vision, and I am the technical guy and, and the production guy and make sure all of that happens. So, uh, you know, I promised him that I would build this bubble for him that he could go create in, and uh, and and works very well for us, but we are in charge of every aspect of it. So, right. you know, it is your baby, soup to nuts, you, uh, you know, the, if there's a ball dropped, you are the last person to catch it. So uh, <laughs> it's very, very uh, meticulous. You have to be meticulous. It's time-consuming. Uh, it's all-encompassing. But uh, we do everything from sit down and write the scripts right through to listening to the background sounds, uh, when we're doing the sound mix and everything in between that includes, oh, that's Mr. Tudor trying to call me right now. Uh, everything in between that also includes taking the garbage out at the production office. <laughs> so uh, it's a lot, a lot of work. 
Well, you guys aren't even, uh, you don't even just have the show. You know, you've, you've really extended the, the fan experience beyond just that with having the game and having the comic. Um, can you talk, talk to me through the, the kind of timeline to when those additional components were brought in, and was that something that you guys had planned to do from the beginning? It was always my intention, our intention, to build a vertical brand, meaning we were going to take the whole world out together. So we started the game and the comic books the same time we started Con Man Season 1, and uh, as well as the books which uh, we're working on. But the game has been recently launched, and that's been the biggest. It's as big as the show. And uh, we're really proud of Con Man the game. We work with Freema Studios up in in uh, Canada, and it's a, again, you know, it's hands-on. We, we're we're doing the voices. We're talking with the artists on, on picking the art. We're looking at the strategy within the game. We're dealing with the data, dealing with the marketing and the publishing side of it. So it, too, is a giant endeavor, honestly, a little bit more than we thought was going to come out of it. But like Conman, we wanted to create a quality product, and Conman the Game is a really fun game to play, and we get a lot of positive feedback on it. So we're super proud of it. And, uh, you know, we've had some bugs that we've been fixing like crazy, and, you know, we listen to everything that people say. All the bug reports come straight to my computer. It also goes to the bug team, but I'm there monitoring everything as well and responding to people. And uh, I'm really proud of the game. And, you know, you can play it on Apple or Android. And uh, we've crossed, uh, I think we've just crossed 125,000 players. And uh, oh, wow. and it's going strong. And, you know, every day another 1,000, 1,500 players. So if you get a chance, go check that out, comment the game. Uh, we're just loving it. It's a lot of fun. That's awesome. And is that something you're going to be um, continuing to do, like new releases with and new features and, and oh, all yeah. that fun stuff? Oh, yeah, all the time. We just uh, just released a new super fan, a cosplayer that helps battle uh, the aliens that attack your con. Uh, so you, <laughs> yeah, we, there's a, there's a, you, you build your own uh, comic book convention. You've got to do the booth and take the garbage out and fix the toilets and, and get rid of the octogenarian streakers. But, you, but the aliens from <laughs> Spectrum also come in and start trashing your con, so you have to get cosplayers and equip them with goodies to go out and beat back the aliens uh, or they'll they'll destroy your con. So there's a battle element to it as well. So it's a lot of fun. It's really a lot of fun. I love it. It's such a cool idea. Um, I also grew up playing all the the Sim games, Sim Tower and Sim City, and you know Sim Theme Park. And to me, it just like appealed so much to to that same part of my brain that loved playing those games. Yeah. Um, so it's just so much fun. Um, uh, thanks. I love it. <laughs> Uh, the convention culture itself has really grown so drastically over the, the last decade, and it's almost, you know, I'd call it mainstream now, really. Um, aside from Marvel and DC's uh, TV shows and films and kind of the, the general um, television geek culture that we've seen explode, what do you think has really contributed to the success of convention culture and really fandom culture? I think what, it's the fans themselves. I mean, it's such an accepting culture. You can go and dress up as anybody, and you will be embraced. Even if you shouldn't have worn that costume, you will be, <laughs> you will be embraced. It's, it's, it's open to new ideas. If you're an artist and you want to, to try out a new idea, you go to a, a convention, and the fans will, you know, will, will tell you whether they like it or not. It's, uh, it's, 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 it's a birth of, it's a birthplace now of so many great ideas. Sometimes I just walk the floor looking for new artists or new writers or new product or 
uh, it's such a birthplace for ideas now, and and uh, and it's moving beyond the convention halls. Uh, it's just a Dragon Con, which spreads across at least three different hotels in the communities. Uh, the community itself is embracing it, like San Diego does for for Comic Con, and everybody gets involved, and it's a very positive experience. And and uh, you know, a lot of people complain that Hollywood's come in because they bring the the red ropes and the VIP sections and stuff, stuff, and they do, but the but the the convention to go out of their way to you know still keep it open for the fans and you can still meet your favorite celebrities and have that one-on-one interaction. So they haven't taken that away, uh, and the uh, and the smaller cons, of course, you know, no way you can just walk up to anybody and just they're right there and all the parties are open and. So it's a. I think it's just a base and how how inviting everyone is and how positive everyone is. It's it's just a great place to hang out for a weekend. Right, right. Have you ever cosplayed? I think I have. I mean, I'm not <laughs> a big I'm not a big cosplayer, but what was I think I do? I when I used to have long hair, I did a pretty mean Gandalf. <laughs> That's awesome. And uh, and I think I did it with Skylar. When did I do it? I can't remember what con it was. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I, I, some of those cosplay costumes are just insane. They are so much time and effort goes into them. Yeah. Uh, what has been your uh, favorite convention that you've attended so far? I love uh, I love the one in Seattle. Emerald City is a great one. Um, I was just at Dragon Con. That was great people. I always love Phoenix. I've been at Phoenix from the from the first year it was on. There's good people that run the Phoenix Comic Con. Um, I've always, I love, you know, San Diego's a little bit of work for me because it's usually all just press, but, uh, just the sheer scope and size of San Diego Comic-Con is always, uh, is always a thrill. Um, God, I've been to so many. New York <laughs> is very different. Last year, New York was fun because we had our own con man bus. Oh, cool. Uh, which we toured around and gave up beers and yelled at people in the streets. It was fun. <laughs> um, the one in Denver is another great one. I love that one. Um, the, you know, uh, Salt Lake is another great one. God, there's so many. I'm going to do Stan Lee's next weekend, uh, which oh, now awesome. calls it L.A. Comic Con. I haven't done that one before, so I'm looking forward to that. And WonderCon is – and they're all good. They're all good. I mean, there's a couple <laughs> that I don't like, but I don't like them for other reasons. Um, I gotcha. You know, be, behind-the-scenes reasons. Uh, gotcha. So. Yeah, now Nathan's heading out to China to do a convention in China. I think he's leaving wow. November November second. He's doing. He just did Russia, and now he's going to China, and then back to, over to Australia. So it's pretty insane how how big that's expanding. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Um, at any of these conventions, have you been able to witness kind of like any crazy fan moments with with Nathan and Alan? I, I Firefly fans are so passionate. I feel like there has to be like. Um, just some some crazy fan experiences that have that have happened. Yeah, I'm always impressed at how respectful everyone is of of uh, who they are. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes when we're with Nathan, we'll kind of circle them to hide them. But <laughs> it's what I always find funny is that they're like Nathan will just walk through the crowd, or Alan will just walk through the crowd, and the people that are into their phones or into not paying attention to what's going around them and, and the, the, the person that are in line, like we've gone past the line where people are waiting for, to see them 
and they're standing right next to them, but they're so engrossed in their phone or something that they don't realize that <laughs> the person is right next to them. And then they walk away, and you hear in the background, that was, was that David Elliott? Was that Alan Tudor? Like, you'll hear them, you know, then miss the moment. So all I can say is, when you're at a con, get off your phone and <laughs> keep your head up. But n- nothing, nothing crazy. I mean, I remember one little boy that came completely dressed as Malcolm Reynolds. I think he was four years old or three Aww. years old, and it was insane how how well he was. And he had a letter that he had made his dad write for Nathan about Firefly, and that one was cool. <laughs> and then I think it was the Utah Brown coach had the had the Firefly bar set up at the con. And we went over to that one one year. I think it was at Phoenix, and that was really fun. And and Alan came over, and the fans were just were just uh, were just nuts. Uh, I, I, the fun thing is watching Nathan's got this thing because people always stop him for a photo where you where you run with him, but you walk with him, and he takes the photo and 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 with you as you go along. And it's kind of fun to watch because the people don't get what's going on. So just give me your phone. So <laughs> lots of good stuff. Lots of good stuff. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, well, I want to make sure that we get a shout-out for where everyone can go and, and get everything. Where can they see the show? Where can they get the comic? And I know you mentioned how um, to download the games and stuff, but if you can just give, like, a full spill of all of that, that'd be great. So uh, Season 1 is coming out on all the regular channels, again, like iTunes and Amazon and all that stuff. It's coming out November 8th. And then uh, right now it's available on Comic-Con HQ, which is Lionsgate's digital channel. Season 2 comes out December 8th. Sign up uh, at that at Comic-Con HQ, and I think it's only 5 bucks, and you uh, you get the whole uh, Season 2 for that, plus all their other programming. Uh, it's a really good thing, and that's December 8th for Season 2. If you want to find out what we're doing, conmantheseries.com has everything. We have a store there now as well, and you can pick up the comic books there if it's not available at your local store. Uh, so we're handling that as well. And then, of course, Conman the Game, uh, which is available on Android and iOS. So please download that and give that a play. That's awesome. Well, congratulations with the success of all of this. I have such admiration that you guys are not just doing a show and not just doing a comic, but also doing this game. It's just, it's it's overwhelmingly awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate that. So that was our interview with PJ. Um, he was a lot of fun to talk to. I kind of wanted to just like keep talking with him, and then I was wanting to be like, hey, do you want to play Halo on Xbox Live? <laughs> yeah, <I> just, <laughs> it's like yeah. just you, me, and Nathan Fillion. Let's just hop on a Halo game. No, yeah. no biggie. Let's, let's do it. <laughs> I like it. No, I, there's something just so likable about those guys, I, you yeah. know, and, and I, I, I love it. Like I said, I, I name dropped Nathan Fillion last week's episode, but like he was he's a good guy. And there just seems like something authentic about those guys that find themselves in the middle of it. So, uh, I, I, you know, I've actually looked up because I've been weirdly been getting barraged by uh, banner ads for that show. Yeah. And I usually like banner ads. I never pay attention to them. But I don't know. They're starting to get to me. I'm like, maybe I need this uh-huh. Comic-Con TV. Maybe I need it for this show. They've got some good stuff on there, um, yeah. and I think it's like $5 a month to, to have streaming access to all of it. Um, I should probably get it myself. I'm kind of hoping I'll just get press access to everything, um, so I need, need to follow up on that email. Yeah. But um, yeah. it was they, they sent me cupcakes last week from Georgetown Cupcakes, and if you've not had Georgetown Cupcakes, oh my god. 
Um, they're, they're amazing. They're the best cupcakes I've ever had. Um, they're, they're basic or the ones that I got were basic, but so freaking good that the, it, oh, I get, where to start? Um, everything about it was amazing. So Georgetown cupcakes, check them out. I know they have one here in Atlanta. I think they also have one in New York. And I'm assuming in some place named Georgetown, they have one. Yeah, <laughs> so, I, would, I would hope so. <laughs> I would assume that's where it came from. Yeah. But um, that was really cool of them to, to send that over, and which was great because it reminded me of the fact that the series actually, um, it's season two premiered on December 8th on Comic-Con TV. So you don't only have season one and a game to check out. You now also have season two. So there's lots of goodness there for, for people to check out. Nice. Uh, but moving right along into the box office report, our good friend Mike McKinney pointed out that I said movie name wrong again last week. Yeah, I want you so. to know that I, when I was editing the episode, I'm like, oh my god, that's pretty <laughs> awesome. It's pretty awesome. I'm trying to think of all of all of the ones I've gone through now. I did. I guess the first one was Mahana, then it was yeah. Milana, and yeah. now it's Moana. Mo Moana. That or sounds Mona. Right, right. Maybe Mona. M no, o Mona. I did that one. That oh. was the first one that oh. I called okay. it. It's Moo-Anna. Moo-Anna. Yeah. It's totally not. Don't listen to a word that I say. <laughs> I'm just going to say all of the possible name combinations, and one of them will be right. <laughs> or I could just go see the movie, because apparently it's doing really well. Yeah, it's doing really well. <laughs> but uh, do, you th do you think the movie at any point actually pronounces the name of the movie? Well, Maybe it's, it's the, the character. It's the lead character's name, so okay. I think it's probably in, in there at least. In once. my face, in my face, <laughs> that is a fair retort to my stupid comment. Well, it uh, it's not going to be in first after this weekend. Of course, Star Wars is going to come in and, and blast it out of first, but uh, it did make eighteen point eight million uh, last weekend, which. Uh, just barely got first over the Georgia-filmed Office Christmas Party, which came in with $17.5 which was um, a pretty... I, I don't know if they were expecting it to, to make more than that, or if that's... I didn't actually look at the, the production budget for it, but that seems like a pretty good opening for that one. No, I feel like that's a... I think that's a great opening. And, you know, again, I'm no scientist, but I feel like that aligns with my theory that people out there are looking to laugh. And hey, they are. Jason Bateman, you can't, it's like weird, you can't really go wrong with Jason Bateman. You can, I have. Well, you can, <laughs> but, but like he's still likable afterwards, you know, I don't he know how is. to explain it. He's like an Owen Wilson that way. It's like, ah, he's doing right. the same thing every time. Why do I still like him so much? Right. There is something endearing about him for sure. He's yeah. always going to be, you know, um, Bluth to me. He's always going to be, you know, Arrested Development, Jason Bateman. Um, right. But uh, I just looked at the budget. The budget for the film was actually forty-five million. So it's it'll oh. probably it'll do. Oh wow, that's actually a pretty highish budget though for it a is silly high comedy, for a comedy movie. Comedy. Yeah. yeah, I mean it has a really great cast behind it. But uh, so yeah, I don't know if they, I don't know if they're happy with that or not. We'll have to check in on that next week. <laughs> um, I let's see what do we got in third. We've got uh, Fantastic Beast and Where to Find Them still holding on to third place. It brought in. Uh, where's my 10 million this week? Arrival slipped down one to fourth uh, after hopping up a, two spots last week, and it brought in 5.5 million. And Doctor Strange landed in fifth this week with 4.5 million. And that's going to be an interesting uh, transition this weekend once Star Wars comes in, and I'm sure 
has insane numbers. Um, the reviews are all huge already. Um, everyone loves it. I loved it too. Spoiler alert. But um, another really, really great film opens this weekend that I've been raving about all, uh. all of the last like two months. Um, La La Land, which I'm going to see for a second time, a second screening tonight, is uh, opening... Uh, this Friday at a number of theaters. And I think it's not in full release until Christmas Day, uh, but it will be open in Atlanta as of December 16th. So definitely check that one out. What's really interesting, let me get my facts right on this one. Um, so it debuted in limited release in New York and Los Angeles last Friday, and it grossed $855,000 on limited release. And that sets a new record for a five-theater opening with an average of $171 million per theater which is surpassing the previous best of 147,000 per theater for the master oh. in 2012. You said 141 million or something. I was like, "Whoa, for a oh, theater?" 147,000. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. 147,000. Yeah, okay. I'm just trying to beat Michael to the punch. That's all. <laughs> I need pe- I need people to fact check me. Um, cuz I just I have it in front of me and then I read it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> so, it just happens. But uh but the fact that it did that well on such a, a limited release, and then, of course, we had the Golden uh, Globe nominations, which came out this week as well, and uh, that was, you know, La La Land was a frontrunner for, for everything uh, in in every category it could be nominated for, so it's really good, and I know Rogue One's going to beat it by a lot, but after you go see Rogue One, you should go see La La Land like five times. <laughs> so that's all I'm saying. I like it. I think, I think it's a good plan. I think it's yeah. a good plan. So, with all of that being said, let's talk some Star Wars. Let's talk some Star Wars. Um... So you, I saw on Facebook you got to see the film, and the amount of like hate comments you got was like, "Wow!" No, it's a lot of hate. Yeah, people people <laughs> was, used to like Emma. She sees Star Wars a couple day Star Wars a couple days early, and now everyone hates me. Yeah, you're just a bad person. All right, Where so did the listen. Love go. <laughs> so I guess we don't really need to give a synopsis of this one. Uh, no, I will say it's set between episode three and episode four, um, just in case. I know some people that I know, which are that really anyone that knows anything about Star Wars already knows what this is about. But if you're not familiar with Star Wars, then obviously you should go watch all of them right now. Uh, But this one is set between episode three and episode four. And really the entire kind of opening crawl of episode four, A New Hope, is basically the the plot line for everything that happens in Rogue One. So I, I still I still make the mistake like when it's quickly said like episode three and four right I went to the place of like oh that's that's before after Jedi and before the the latest one and I'm like no 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 that's after <laughs> the crappy one mm-hmm. and before the original yeah right so yep. yeah except I got thrown off for a second but anyway so so you saw the film yes. um and from a uh, eye rolling or uh, sorry from a boarding wow I'm just using my mouth <laughs> words are hard yeah. <laughs> Uh, from a boredom perspective, uh, five being five alarm boredom. How bored were you? So this is going to be one of those reviews where you're probably going to roll your eyes at me giving you the review. Oh, okay. <laughs> but I'm going to say zero for eye rolling. Okay. That's good. Mm-hmm. The way at that disclaimer you started going, I'm like, oh my gosh, this might not get a zero score. That it totally got a zero score. <laughs> uh, so were you ever um, rolling your eyes out of your head based on how uh, lame it is? No. Uh, wait, okay, I'm just going to ask this question. In this film, did they make a super weapon out of a star? 
<laughs> there may have been something like that. Okay. Yeah, there may have been there may have been a little something like that. Because retrospectively, uh, the episode seven. Wait, am I doing it right? No, episode five, six. Good lord, the most recent <laughs> one is episode six, seven. I'm going to get Seven. this together. I don't know why. It's, it's the first three shouldn't I'm just, count. I'm going to let you go and see where you end uh, up. So the, <laughs> yes, the, most, the first three shouldn't count. You're totally yes, right. The, so, so, so it just throws my math off. So, uh, so in episode seven, the fact that in the film, the big bad thing was it's a Death Star, but it's a bigger one, was like, okay, we, we've got to get a new plan, Empire. <laughs> that's, that's all I'm going to say. Anyways, I'm sure a lot of other people have already made that comment. But uh, anyways, this is about you and seeing a movie that everybody hates you for seeing. Um, <laughs> so uh, was, uh, who was the best performance in this film? Um, you know what? Everyone was amazing. Felicity Jones was was great. What I love is that we've had two strong female characters, uh, you know, lead characters in, in this movie and, of course, in Force Awakens. And that's just really awesome to, to kind of see the, the shift. I mean, it's not with, just with Star Wars. It's a lot of films are now starting to have these really powerful female characters. Um, so she did great. My personal favorite, um, Alan Tudyk, voiced, uh, what was his name? K2SO. And that, to me, was the best part of the film. He was such a great comedic relief. He's basically the, the BB-8 of this film, you know, just a little bit more old school style. Um, but yeah. such, a, such a great character that had such great timing and witty comebacks and just a dry, beautiful sense of humor. Uh, so he was my favorite, even though, you know, he was a droid and Alan Tudyk himself was not physically, physically ah. in it. But... Uh, still my favorite character. I, was uh, Alan Tudyk's performance captured, or was he just purely voiceover? You know, I don't know if it was motion capture. I'm thinking it's just voiceover, but I'm not sure. Hmm. Hmm. I'm sure, hmm. Uh, I'm sure Mike will let us know the answer hmm. to that. Ma Mike will do some fact-checking for <laughs> us, and we'll let you know next week. <laughs> <laughs> um... So uh, this was not filmed in Georgia, even though there's a not. there's a Pinewood Studios here, which is probably where they filmed it out there over yonder, right? It was, yeah, yep. the the one in the in in London. Yes. Uh, so, uh, gosh. So well, I guess I'll just ask, like, uh, why was this good? Oh my God. Um, I I love these movies. There's obviously the nostalgia factor, but when you're able to do something that is not only nostalgic and tells a new story and and does such a great job of of keeping your love for the original intact while still doing something that's cool and new and fresh and doesn't feel like you're you're damaging, you know, the childhood that we all had growing up and loving this franchise. Episodes um, 1, 2 and 3 by the way. Episodes yeah. 1, 2 and 3. My teenage years that I choose to forget, <laughs> but um, it's just—it's such a great—it's just such a great film, and uh, the director did a great job at really, you know, making you care about all of the characters. You have so many characters in this; you only get to know them for about two hours, and getting to go on that journey with them and. You know, like I said, it's not going to be any spoiler alerts uh, or any spoilers that we're going to go through. But it's it's just an amazing job at, at expanding the world of Star Wars for fans and giving us a different part of the story that uh, it, it just works. It works so well in the grand scheme of Star Wars, but it's something that's still a fresh and new chapter. So I, I loved it. Nice. So I guess it's a it's it's a moment of truth. Uh, what what is this getting on the official Atlas scale? 
Ah, this is hard. Um, I always, you know, we've had this debate several times because I don't think it's like, it's not La La Land for me, but I loved it. I loved it for, for what it is and for what it was meant to be. It's definitely an, it's a five out of five atlas. Um, if I, if I'm comparing it directly to La La Land, which also comes out this Friday, I would give it an atla. Wow. And and La La Land an atlas. You, like, I picture you like hanging off of a cliff where one (laughs) of the sticks is La La Land and you are just... All of your, you're putting your <laughs> life in, into the hands of La La Land, which I is know. good. Well, I'm well, going to go get more hate comments for saying that. About, <laughs> well, um, actually, but I, I did love it. Like I, in its own right, like I, I'm definitely on record. Five out of five. It's an Atlas. It's not my favorite film of the year, but it's it definitely lived up to the hype of what I wanted it to be, and I think what all Star, Star Wars fans wanted it to be. Um, it's not, you know, the disappointment that Batman versus Superman or, you know, other, other stories that have kind of let us down, um, this year have been, um, it's a really great story. It really is. So it, it, it that being said, think of like, close your eyes and think of the biggest Star Wars nerd that you know, would they also give it an Atlas? I feel like they're probably going to give it... See, I loved Force Awakens, and yeah. and I was all of. I thought it was. I, there was nothing about it I would have changed. And the friends that I have that are diehard Star Wars fans had a lot of things about it that they wanted to change. Um, I feel like they probably give it an Atla. Okay, that's yeah. fair. I, I've got uh, my the 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 guy that just came to mind for me is the biggest Star Wars guy I know. Is like such a huge Star Wars guy. He was like reverse engineering episodes one through three to not suck. You know, he was just yeah. so obsessed with not allowing Star Wars to be that crappy. We had the longest conversations about it. So no, I, I think I think uh, I think that's interesting. Although I, again, and I will admit, The Force Awakens. I watched that thing the first time. Like, oh my god, it was the best movie I've ever seen. It was perfect. But you do realize, kind of retrospectively, wait a minute. There were some really cheesy parts in yeah. that movie. Yeah, I think. And you know what? I've honestly only. Oh my god! Well, I've seen parts of it four times because of the malfunction that the theater had when I went to the screener to see oh, it wow. last year. Yeah, yeah, like it, it cut off at various points and then restarted and played, and then I watched it again that night when we we were hoping that we were going to be able to see all of it all the way through. Um, but I think for me that that day of seeing it, however many times I ended up seeing it, um, it was such a strong nostalgia factor yeah. for me and that that really kind of won me over and i i kind of i should go back now and watch it again and see if i have the same reaction to it as i as i did then um, cuz i i haven't watched it since that day no it's uh, it it plays the nostalgia heartstrings brilliantly you know cuz you i mean like because uh, I totally thought I was over Star Wars. And then I saw the trailer the first time you see Han Solo and Chewbacca, and he says, Chewie, we're home. I was, I even said to my wife, I was like, ah, crap. I'm not over <laughs> this at all. I'm not over this at all. I seriously have butterflies right now. That is hilarious. Um, so, yeah, it, it totally it, t- it totally did a lot of stuff super right. It did. Um, and, it, you know, it kind of hit all the marks. But uh, all right, so down in the weeds, we've got a full atlas for Star Wars, and if memory uh, if memory serves, you gave the new Harry Potter spinoff an atla. So I did. So yeah, all right. This well. is this is true. So I mean, it's definitely going to do better at the box office. I'm really <laughs> glad that I didn't follow through on that bet with you. Oh man, I just aborted and I got out, which was yeah, what I did. needed to do. 
you did. Great job. Thanks. Great job. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's uh, that's our review of Rogue One, a Star Wars story, which is in theaters this Friday. Boom! You should see it. You should see it, and then but, go see La La Land. Yeah, I was going to say see La La Land first. <laughs> Then see Star Wars, then see La La Land again. So make it a La La Land sandwich. Yes. Yeah. It's just such a great weekend. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But coming up, we do have some cool stuff coming up on the show for next week. Um, We have Walker Stalker Charlotte this weekend. So we should have some cool stories and some interviews from that. And I'm also seeing Passengers with Chris Pratt and Jennifer Lawrence on next Monday night. So we'll be reviewing that. I think I can talk about it then. I got to double check our embargo date. But uh, of course, that was filmed here at Pinewood Studios. And I'm really excited to see that one. I hope it's going to, I have high expectations for it because I love both those actors so much. So I'm hoping that it's going to be as awesome as I think it's going to be. I'll admit um, the, 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 the commercials and such have totally got me in for that. I actually said to my dad the other day, I'm like, you know, I may actually open up my wallet and go see that film. It's yeah. done that good of a job marketing. Yeah. It looks really good. And they've got they've had some really great uh, marketing press junket things that they've done. There's a, a funny I want to say it was BuzzFeed that did like five minutes of the two of them just like like shooting insults at each other. Um, that's a really funny video to watch. Um, so check that out if you want something to, to hold you over until that film comes out. But uh, we'll have that next week. And, of course, Project Cosplay this Thursday night at Joystick Game Bar. It is Star Wars themed. We have so much stuff to give away that it's oh. going to be like an episode of Oprah. So please come. <laughs> Everyone's going to get something. Um, it's going to be awesome. We have tons and tons of stuff to give away. And... Um, I had a meeting last week with the, uh, Brandon and Johnny, the two amazing guys that own Joystick and, of course, Georgia Beer Garden, which is right across the street. And we are going to be doing Project Cosplay in 2017, and I actually just put together our list of themes for next year. So it'll be coinciding with various release dates of nerdy TV shows and movies all year long. So we're not going anywhere. We'll be there all next year, too. So third Thursday of every month, 9 o'clock, Joystick Game Bar, back in the the back room. Well, a huge congratulations for being renewed for your second season. That's Thank a big you. deal. Yeah, a big it deal. is. It is yeah. a big deal. So we've it's been so much fun this year, and um, Candace has done such a great job, and really everyone that's, you know, been a part of it, our, our DJ, our, our models, our designers... Just everyone. I'm, I'm so appreciative to everyone that's come out and supported it. And I'm really excited that we get to continue nerding out and having a little mini Dragon Con every month um, for, for 2017. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Oh, that's very exciting. Congratulations. I hate that yeah. I'm out of town. I'm going to be in Los Angeles while you're having this cosplay. And every <laughs> month I'm like, I'm totally going to this one. And every month somehow I end up dropping the ball. But I'm very excited about all that 2017 has to offer. It's pretty good. I, I was only struggling with two months, um, and I like to I like to kind of keep the themes under wrap, but I'm going to put this out there for debate, and if anyone has a strong feeling on it, please let me know. Um, for February, we don't really have any nerdy movies coming out. We do have the Oscars, so my, my initial thought was to have it be Oscar-themed in February, but I also thought... With our crowd of, of designers and models and the kind of wonderful, beautiful mess that it is, it might be a lot of fun to do Fifty Shades Darker as our February theme. 
Well, so, all right. Yeah, we'll uh, put that out there. If you have an opinion one way or another, let, let me know. It could be it's it'll be a hot mess regardless. But, I love uh, it. It's it's a Oscar so white or Fifty Shades darker. There's like a huge separation there. Like which yeah. which way do you go? Yeah. Very different themes. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll we'll see what what happens there, but uh. But yeah, we've got some great stuff in store for next year, and I'm excited to to uh, be doing it for for another year, another season. Hooray! So, but that's all I have for this week, and I'm actually going to be leaving here in just a few to see La La Land a second time. <laughs> so. As I was saying, everyone should go see it four times. <laughs> I want you to watch it very carefully and see if there's any eye rolling moments. The, you know, what, I I the, am excited to see it again to see if I have the same reaction of just yeah. like being completely in love with it. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. I I feel like I will. We'll we'll see. All right. All right. You have convinced yourself at all cost. <laughs> I like it. Well, cool. Um, do you have anything else for this week? Uh, no, not a thing. Well, cool. Just happy uh, optimism for 2017. Even though we've got what two more episodes this this month? Yes. Yeah. I think it's just two. Is it three? No, it's it's just two. Yeah. yeah. Just two more. Yeah. My goodness. Yep. It's exciting. 2017 has to be better than 2016. Oh, for the love of Pete, please, yes. <laughs> I feel like everyone's on the same page with that. Yeah. Um, well, for our third to last episode of the year. Thank you guys for listening to the Atlas Podcast. Again, my name is Emma Loggins, the editor-in-chief of Shambles.com. My name is Jakai Mickelson. Uh, if you look trustworthy, I will open my door to you and uh, independent filmmaker. <laughs> Love it. See you guys next week. <laughs>